Last week we began a new series of lessons thinking about how we can find our way back to God. The beginning of the year for many people is an opportunity to make new commitments and think about things in a new way. And, and maybe for you, part of what you said at the beginning of 2018 is, I want to get closer to God than I have in the past. Maybe you could even look back on a time in your life when you were closer to God and, and somehow things began to drift and you didn't pursue God the way you once did. Or, or maybe there were things that sort of pushed you away from God. And last week we began the series thinking about some of our questions and maybe our doubts and how we deal with those things and, and how at times they can be, if we leave them unanswered, ways that we, we walk away from faith and how we find our way back through that. The second week in the series, I want us to think about another thing, another sort of barrier that can sometimes keep us from coming back to God, finding our way back to God. And, and this one's a little bit awkward for us to talk about because the second thing that can keep us from coming back to God is, well, well, it's us. It's church people. Because sometimes it's church people that are the cause of someone walking away from church, but, but sometimes it goes further than that. Sometimes when church people say or do things that cause people to walk away from church, they not only walk away from church, they also walk away from God. And the consequences to that are far-reaching for both life and eternity. So this matters. And so I want us to think today about how sometimes, because of our disappointment, we really see people walk away from church because of church people and how we overcome that. Now, it can take lots of forms. Sometimes, and, and maybe you can't even imagine this, but, but because of church people, we get a little hurt. We get offended. We feel like we're being put at arm's length. We walk away from the church. Now, if you've been in church for maybe more than three weeks, you know that this is a possibility because it's probably happened to you. It's not unique to any one church. It happens all over the world, but because the church is made of imperfect people, because we do stuff that's sinful, we say things that are hurtful, sometimes people really get hurt as a part of being part of a church. And you may have experienced that. Most of us have. Because someone has said something or done something, man, it, it feels like it wounded us. And maybe it wounded us deeply and we didn't know what to do with that. And even if you didn't walk away from church, it was still difficult for you to face that person. And and maybe it really did have an effect on your relationship with God. And that's hard. Now, we, we find ourselves in church as people who want to be better. We find ourselves as imperfect people that we hope God is making more perfect. But in the end, church is made of people. And we're sinners. And as much as we may be trying to allow God to transform us, we don't get it right all the time. Now, this takes another form as well. It may not be that someone said something to me that hurt me personally or did something that hurt me personally. Sometimes it works this way. There's this person that, that I really look up to, and I think, man, this man or this woman is really an example in what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It might be someone who stands in a place like this and teaches like I do, or another church leader. It might be someone that you've never even met, but that you listen to online, or you see on TV, or whatever, and you, you look to that person as an awesome example of what it means to be a Christian, and then they do something stupid, right? 
I mean, you just can't believe because it seems so out of character with who you thought this person was. So wrong that it should have been obvious to them not to go down that path. And because of your disappointment, it's not that they hurt you personally. It's just that you're so disappointed in their actions. I mean, this was an example for you, and they've just gone the wrong direction. And you think, man, if, if they mess this up, why do we even try, right? Why should I keep on with this? And so what you found yourself doing was sort of inching away from the church and maybe inching even away from God so that you're in a different place than you once were. So when that happens, how do you, how do you find your way back to God? That's what I want us to think about today, and I want us to allow Scripture to speak to that. We're going to turn to two passages in one letter. It's Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. We call this letter 1 Corinthians. We're going to begin at the beginning of chapter 5 and then turn back to chapter 1 in a few minutes. But what we find is Paul writing what really is a difficult letter. If you look at this letter, I mean, Paul has some problems with these Christians. They are messing up in multiple ways, and he deals with a lot of those problems, so it's uncomfortable to read. It's a harsh letter, and yet it's important for us to hear what Paul has to say. So in chapter 5, what Paul's dealing with is some arrogance that he finds in this ancient church, that they're really proud of who they are and what they've done, and Paul is sort of saying, listen, you shouldn't be because you're a little messed up. And so this is what he says at the beginning of chapter 5. Paul says, It is actually reported to me that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even the pagans do not tolerate. He says, A man is sleeping with his father's wife. Now that's messed up, okay? And, and when people say to me, American culture is the most corrupt culture in the history of the world, I want to say, have you ever read any Roman history? Because if you have, you would find out that that's not so much the truth, because they were just as messed up as we are. In fact, if you look back in all of human history, if you go back to Adam and Eve, what you find is that immorality is nothing new, okay? It seems like it's been part of human nature from the very beginning, that we just mess stuff up. They did it in that culture, we do it in our culture. And Paul's pointing to this example and saying, listen, this is not okay. But it's their reaction that really gets Paul going in verse 2. He says, and you are proud. It's like you're proud of it. Hey, look at how accepting we are. Look at how open we are. Hey, we know this is wrong, but it's okay with us. We don't care. In fact, we're just glad, glad that this is going on. He says, shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning about this? There should be repentance here. And have put out your fellowship, the man who has been doing this. This is not okay. And you're allowing it to happen in your midst, and you're not even saying anything about it. Now, why do I bring all that up to say this? Christians just aren't perfect, okay? We mess stuff up. We are not perfect people. Christians from the first century and all through the centuries and in the 21st century are not perfect. And when we expect them to be, we will be disappointed, okay? We'll be disappointed. And so it's good for us as Christians, people trying to live in Christian community, to get this straight and have realistic expectations at the very least. That 
yeah, you know what? These people around me who are worshiping with me today, who, who I try to serve with, they're not perfect. The ministers, whose wives will be glad to affirm this, are not perfect, okay? The elders, small group leaders, ministry team leaders, none of those people, perfect. And so when we try to put people up on a pedestal or expect that we'll never be told anything that bothers us a little bit or might hurt our feelings, we're creating expectations for church that are not realistic. So we've got to recognize churches all over the world, we're just not perfect, okay? Now, let's turn over to chapter 1 because I think this is uh, important for us to hear as well. Verse 11, Paul talks about another whole problem in the church. He says, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Now imagine that, quarrels in the church. Can you, can you think about how that could happen, right? Yeah, sure we can. It happens in all kinds of churches. There are quarrels in the churches, but they were a specific kind of quarrels in this church. Verse 12, he says, what I mean is this. One of you says... I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas, who's Peter. Still another, I follow Christ. So what are the quarrels caused by? Well, there's sort of factions that develop around really important leaders in the church, not just in their church, but in the whole church. Well, that can happen. That can happen today, just like it did in the ancient world. You got groups that develop around sort of important or powerful or influential leaders in the church or in the larger church. This happens, and we say, well, I don't like what that leader's saying. I like what this person's saying. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with their approach. I don't like their ministry. I don't like the way they talk. I don't like the way they look. I don't like where they're from. Whatever it is, we have groups that develop in the church now just like they did then. And Paul says, listen, it can't be that way. That's not what the church should be about. Verse 13, is Christ divided? No. Was Paul crucified for you? Well, no. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Paul says this is not the way it should be. Because no one that you choose to follow, no preacher, elder, teacher, speaker, leader, whoever it is, no one died on a cross for you except Jesus. No matter how good they seem to be, listen, they are still imperfect people who at some point will disappoint you. That's just the way it is. When we put our faith in a person other than Jesus Christ, we can be guaranteed that we will be disappointed because we're putting our faith in an imperfect sinful person. It may be a person who's doing everything they can to grow in their faith and seeking God out and attempting to be the right kind of person, but we know ourselves well enough to know that we could look back on the last week and every single one of us could find something that we said or something that we did or several things that we said or did that we know was wrong and we wish we could take back now. Because as much as we may be trying to follow Jesus Christ, sometimes we mess it up. Now, I think there could be people in the room who are thinking right now, man, 
there must be something going on at church that I don't know about for James to come down this hard on this stuff, okay? And I'm going to find out as soon as we're done in here because I'm going to ask somebody who knows. Well, none of that's true. I think we're in a great place as a church. We've got a great staff, great elders. We're really doing some good things in our community. I'm very proud of our church. I'm not addressing anything today that's specifically going on in the life of our church. These are general things that go on in the life of every church and have for 2,000 years. What I'm addressing is the fact that, yeah, people do walk away from church because they get hurt. People do walk away even from God, from Jesus himself, because they're disappointed in other Christians. Well, how do we find our way back? This is the lesson I want us to take from this. Very simple. Christians aren't perfect. Jesus is. We can be guaranteed that every person in this room is a sinner. We can be guaranteed that every person in this room needs to repent over and over again. We may be working really hard to grow in our faith. We may be really working really hard to follow the teaching and example of Jesus Christ, but we're going to come up short. But here's what I also know. Jesus was completely and in every way perfect. He was sinless. He was God's son. His sacrifice was exactly what I needed, what you need, what all of creation needs to have redemption from God, to be brought back to who we really are. Jesus was perfect. And if we want to put our faith somewhere, it can never be in some leader, some person other than Jesus, because Jesus is the only one who is perfect. Jesus is the only one who is willing to die on a cross for you. And yes, Paul's right. It's in Jesus' name that we're baptized, not in James Jones's name or in anybody else. It's all about Jesus. Now, to think about how we put that to work, I've got four quick things that I want to run through that I think are applications to this. First, focus on Jesus, right? Because Jesus is the one who's perfect. Focus on Jesus. Our faith should be about Jesus. Our faith should be focused on the one who died on the cross. And so when we're growing in our faith, we're focused in on Jesus. That's what we should be doing for one another, is pointing each other to Jesus. Okay? It's not about some great teacher. It's about that teacher pointing people to Jesus. It's not about some great church leader. It's about that church leader pointing people and guiding them to grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. And so our focus as individuals and as leaders should always be on Jesus. So if you're trying to find your way back to God, man, I hope there are awesome people who will walk with you on the journey. But the journey is always about Jesus Christ. That's where our focus is. And when we stray from that, that's where we get in trouble. And that's where we end up walking in the wrong direction. Second, don't base your faith on the goodness of another person. Because they will, at some point, and in some way, disappoint you. Now, there's levels of that, right? I mean, there's some people who say and do things that, man, it, it's a little bit painful. I wish they hadn't said it. Could have been done in a different way. And then there's some people who really blow it in a big way. And it's hugely disappointing and hugely hurtful to a lot of people. I understand that. But none of us are perfect. And so when we put our faith in human beings... We're always going to be disappointed. Third, don't assume everyone is rotten. 
because one person is, right? You can't paint with too broad a brush. I've heard lots of people say, okay, I walked away from church because there are so many hypocrites there, right? Because I was hurt by Christians, because of those church people. And then when you begin to talk that through, not necessarily to challenge what they're saying, but just to let them talk about it, what you find is they walked away from church because of maybe one or two or three people, not because of the whole church, it was a few people. And when we begin to paint with a broad brush and say all church people are like these three people or this one person who really hurt me, man, we're missing out on so much. Because there are people in this church, there are people in every church that would love to build into your life and help you grow and help you find your way back to God. As imperfect as we are, we'd love to walk that path with you. And so don't assume that because somebody really blew it in your life, I mean in a royal way, and it hurt that it's going to happen again or that someone else is just like that person in your past. We can't assume it because it's not true. There are really good people who are trying to help others get closer to Jesus. And so we've got to understand that, and as risky as it is, it's worth it to reach out in relationships. And then fourth, find ways to forgive. Find ways to forgive. You know, when we recognize that there are, yeah, a few people who really blow it sometimes in the church and not to paint with too broad a brush, we get that side of it. We also understand that in church, as in every other place, forgiveness is required. We cannot ever have long-term relationships in our lives, whether we're talking about family or whether we're talking about friendships or people we work with or whoever it is, and certainly church people, if we can't find ways to forgive. Because forgiveness is always required. Okay? If you're going to have a marriage that lasts a lifetime, you're going to have to forgive somewhere along the way. There's no way around that. Because if you live in that close of proximity, somewhere along the way, you're going to bump into each other. You're going to hurt one another. And you have to forgive. That's true with spouses, with parents, children, siblings, friends, whatever it is. And it's true in church. We've got to find ways to forgive. If we're going to have long-term, growing Christian community, it only happens when we learn that just like Jesus forgave us for everything we've done, we're going to have to forgive each other. And sometimes forgiveness is costly, and sometimes it's difficult, but it is absolutely required if we're going to have long-term relationships in the church, if we're going to be the church. Christians aren't perfect. We never will be. We're growing. We're trying to be better. We're trying to overcome the sin and temptation that's part of our lives. We won't be perfect, but we can be better. But what we know is, even in the face of our imperfection, Jesus is perfect. And if you're trying to find your way back to God, Jesus is the path. There's going to be a lot of these imperfect Christians that are sort of lining the path, and they're going to cheer you on, and they're going to encourage you, and some of them are going to walk with you, and occasionally some of them might carry you, and once in a while they will disappoint you. But the path, is always about Jesus. Let's pray together.
God, there may be people in the room today who are trying to figure this out, who are trying to find their way back to you. And God, I'm praying for them right now that you will use us as imperfect people in this church to walk with them and guide them back to you. But God, we know ultimately this is all about Jesus. So focus our hearts and minds in on him because that's what matters. God, we want our lives to be focused on you. We want to serve you with everything we've got. So God, help us to do that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Maybe today you're ready to make that initial commitment to Jesus Christ, to put your faith in him, to repent of your sins, and to be baptized in him, or maybe you are finding your way back to God. Wherever you are in all that, we'd love to share with you in that. We'd love to see you become a member of our church. Whatever step is next for you, let us know. Maybe during this song you can come forward and talk with me, or after the service I'll be in the back. I'd love to talk with you there as well, or send me an email. Give me a call. I'd love to talk with you about your spiritual journey and ways that we as a church can walk with you. If you've made one of those decisions, let us know. Come forward as we stand and sing our invitation.